Good morning. Come on, sorry. Trying to carry a few things here. How are we doing? Great to see you in here. We've got a bit of mist this morning, haven't we? Apparently that's for the lights, especially those listening online. It filters the lights better, so it gives a better effect on light. So, um, who's up for this morning? Come on. I thought those volunteer interviews were great, by the way. Well done, guys. Let's give them a round of applause again. It was just... You know, this, this morning, I'm, as, as Ben said, I'm speaking about offering, but I feel I just want to preach a message first. Is that okay? I feel like I want to preach this morning a message. And uh, you might think, why is he preaching this message? Because what's it got to do with Offering Sunday? I think it's got everything to do with Offering Sunday when we get to the end of it. Does, does that make sense? And the message I felt, if I've been on my heart the last probably three or four months, has been Jonah. And it's all gone quiet. And um, the thing with Jonah is, when you read the story, I think it's all about somebody who doesn't want to give an offering. (laughs) He's a bit reluctant, would we say, in his obedience, right? God asks him to go somewhere and do something, and he's like, nah. And he goes in the opposite direction. And then if you know the story, he, gets, he, he goes on a ship and they throw him off the ship eventually. He gets swallowed by a whale. By God's grace, he saves him from death. Keeps him in the whale three days. After three days, he spews him out. Isn't that a lovely sight? And then after that, he goes to the place where... Oh, I'll give in this month. No, no, no. God's after a heart that is willing to say, I want to give. Right? And like Mike said, it's all about Jesus. When Jesus has our heart, we understand how much he's given us and how much then we want to give because we've got more than enough. So I want to preach from Jonah this morning. I think there's some things we can learn from him. Then we're going to do an offering, take an offering at the end. So we'll start in Jonah 1. In Jonah 1 verse 2, it says this. This is his instruction. Arise, go to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was not a nice place. These Ninevites had... The Assyrians had invaded Israel. They'd chopped ears off. They'd skinned people alive just for fun to intimidate people, put them on stakes. These were not nice people, right? There there were serious issues within this community. Morals were just out of just everywhere. If you look in the book of prophet Nahum, he preaches against it and it says some things in there what they're like. These are not good people. Major issues with alcoholism, spiraling down society, right? This is a horrible, it's a powerful place, 120,000 people, but it's not a nice place. Arise and go to Nineveh. That great city, God says, and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, I believe this, okay? A word I believe I felt on my heart the last few weeks is this. There is a call to arise. There's a call to get out of what you want and get on board with what God wants. And it, it, it's this word in here. You won't, you'll find it in the New King, New King James Bible. Okay? And it says, arrive. Good old New King James Bible. Brother. Right? New King James is good. Word for word translation. But it loses some other things because the language is old and doesn't always give the meaning of a sentence. So you can go to other Bibles like the NIV or there's other Bibles that will give a better meaning sometimes. So the New King James, I like it, 
But read other stuff as well. It gives you a broader perspective. But I like this word, arise. Come on, church, arise. Yeah, but I don't want to do that. I know, but trust God, arise. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to deal with, you know, these Ninevites. They were horrible. You know what they did to us? Do you know how brutal they were to us? I don't want to go there. It's too painful. God says, arise. I am calling you out of something into something new. And then he says, this is what happens, right? On the boat, Jonah runs off. He goes in the opposite direction. It makes me laugh because he spends money on a ticket to go somewhere where he wants. But he's not willing to pay the cost to do what God wants, right? Surprising what you'll pay for, isn't it? And spend your money and then say, I can't afford give. Well, do you you know what I mean? I'm just being honest. Come on, I'm being honest. I'll do it. I'll say, oh, we can't do that. And then next minute, I've gone McDonald's. I was like, because my tummy's rumbling. Surprise what you'll spend your money on, but you'll say over here, I can't, I can't afford to give that, but then I'm spending all this money on this. This is what Jonah does. He's on a cruise. He's on a cruise, Spain. Come on, all my money. I'm saving all my money. Gone. I'm not going to give it to Nineveh. They're horrible. I want to go to on the cruise to Spain. Sorry. And then while he's on the cruise, right? Sorry, he's on the ship, going in the opposite direction that he should do. There's, there's these people on there, and this storm comes. God raises up a storm, and, and these people are like, what's going on? And they're trying to work it out, and they speak to Jonah. And Jonah says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God of the heaven and the God of earth, the God of the sea. And he's, but then he goes down into, he's gone down into the bottom of the boat where it's nice and dark, so he can go to sleep. And then they come and say this to him. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? (laughs) Arise, call on your God. So he's heard the word arise and he hasn't responded. Now the captain of the ship is coming to him in the storm and saying, Jonah, arise and call on your God. Now I really believe church for us as a church, there's a call to call to prayer. There's a call for prayer. Right? He's saying to Jonah, get up out of your sleep. Wake up and call on God. Now, does Jonah do it? No. They throw him over the side. God graciously, because he hasn't given up on him, rescues him. And then when he's in the whale, he calls on God. Jonah 3, verse 2. After he comes out of the whale, God spits him out nicely. On, don't you think, God, why don't you get him out a better way? Why don't you just do like you, you know, slit the thing in off, open it up and spring. You know what I mean? Well, why didn't you just do the beam me up, Scotty? Oh, Scotty, yeah, beam, just transfer him over to the land. No. I think there's a lesson in that. So while he's, whilst he's come out now and he's got his head around it a little bit and he's submitting to God, maybe reluctantly, It says this, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city of Nineveh, and proclaim to it the message I give you. Three times he hears the word arise. Get out of what you're in and get into the new. Get off with your plans and get on board with my plans. There is a call to the church to arise and get on board with what God wants, is there not? 
You know, I think sometimes we're asleep. I know I am in my walk. I'm like, how am I, have I actually put some time aside during prayer and fasting to actually call on God? There's a call to arise, church. So how, how, what is the evidence of that arising? When, when I start to arise, and what is the fruit of it? What does it look like as a follower of Jesus who is now arising? I just want to give you some things that I think we, we should see from Jonah. We don't always see from Jonah or what we can see from our life. The first one is this. We move towards God's commands, not away from them. That's the evidence. Jonah moves away from what God wants him to do. Now, the evidence when he's doing what God wants as a disciple, he starts to submit to what God says, and he goes to Nineveh. He goes to that place where God wants him to be. He goes to take the message, receives the message, and he goes and shares the message. He's on the front line. He's doing what God wants him to do. You know, I I read this, and I thought, who's the star of the show in this? Is it Jonah, or is it God? I think it's God. Because then I read it, I think, do you know what? God doesn't give up on Jonah. And God doesn't give up on us. He keeps asking Jonah. He keeps seeking Jonah. He keeps knocking on Jonah. What does Matthew 7, 7 say? Ask, seek, knock. It's a replication of what God is like. He's an asker, he's a seeker, he's a knocker, he's a pursuer. He does not give up on the first chance. He says, let's go again on the second chance. When, when, you, when you get it wrong, he doesn't say, see, tut, 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 you got it wrong. He says, arise, child, we're going again. He doesn't, he's the God of the second chances. He, he's the one who is, you know, and Jonah knows what he's like. He knows God. But he's not willing to obey. It's willingness. What will I do? What will my will do? Will it go this way or will it go that way? On a daily basis, will I do what God says or will I do what I want? And that is the battle we all contend with, the temptations we have. Am I going to follow God or am I going to follow me? See, one who is arisen is moving towards God's commands, not away from them. And by the way, that does not make us right with God. This is just the evidence of the fruit of someone who's been made right with God. We're made right with God through Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, his sins, the forgiveness of sins, sorry, not his sins. The forgiveness of sins is through Jesus Christ, amen? That's the good news. We receive Jesus and then we go from there. The second thing I think you'll see is this, which we don't see in Jonah. Jonah's really good at telling you what he knows about God. Jonah 1 verse 9 says this. He answered, I am a Hebrew. He knows who he is. He says, I worship the Lord. No, you don't. God's just told you to do something. He did the opposite. But he sits in the boat going, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Christian. And I go and worship God. Yeah, you do sometimes, but other times you don't. Let's be honest. We're all like Jonah. 
I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He knows about God. So what's the issue here? The issue is, is actions don't match his words. So if we're, gonna, if we're going to arise in the obedience, what's going to happen is your words and your actions are going to go together. I, 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 what I'm saying, am I listening to what I'm saying? What I'm saying, does it match up with my action? Do I follow my words or do I just keep saying things that God loves me but I still don't believe it? Do you see what I'm saying? Your words will match your actions. Jonah's words do not match his actions. He can tell you all about the love of God. He can tell you how compassionate and slow to be angry, yet then he doesn't match up. He, he holds against the Ninevites. Why? We'll look at that in a minute. So if we're arising, we're going to move towards God's commands. Our actions match our words. And let's listen. Some days we get that right. Some days we get it wrong, right? But guess what? He gives us second chances, right? So don't beat yourself up when you get it wrong. You will get it wrong because you're tempted. You're weak at times. But get back on the path and say, okay, today I'll go again. Because that's who my God is. He doesn't give up. He keeps asking. He keeps seeking. He keeps knocking. So match your actions and your words. Third one, and this I think demonstrates definitely Jonah, is that we need, we need to receive, first of all, grace, but then extend grace. So Jonah can tell you, and you can read in, let me get it right, you can read in chapter 4, verse 2. So what's happened here is, He's gone to Nineveh, he's preached the message, the whole of Nineveh is beginning to change and be transformed by the grace of God. It's amazing, you know, alcoholism is now going down bank from this day. We are dealing with some stuff, okay? What does Jonah say? He's not happy. He says, so he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord... Was this not what I said was still in my, well, when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious God and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. Who, one who relents from doing harm. So again, he knows God's loving kindness. He knows the abundance of God because he's a prophet. He can hear from God. He can experience the presence of God. He knows they've had the teachings of God. They have had the whole blessing of God as Israel. And he's been right at the center of it to experience God's presence. God's peace, God's grace, God's loving kindness towards Jonah. He knows it. He can tell you all about it. But then Ninevites, they're not having any of it. Why? Because Jonah's been hurt by the Ninevites. You see, we need to be receivers of grace, but also extenders of grace. We can't just talk and understand God's love. God's going to work through you as a vessel. You're going to be an offering that honors him, his name and makes him happy. And that happens when that flows through you. When grace is received and grace is extended to those around you, especially your enemies, especially those who hurt you, especially those who reject you, especially those who you do not like. Because that's where grace extends. 
And God's calling you to that level. Arise out of that level and come to that level. Arise out of your flesh and be led by my spirit. Because there is an abundance of loving kindness in my spirit. It is abundance. There's more than enough for these people, Joni. No, I knew you'd change their lives. I mean, don't you just find this amazing? That his reluctance to extend God's grace that he's experienced himself. So we move towards God's commands, not away. We match our actions to our words. We receive and extend grace. You know, a few minutes ago I said, who do you think's the star of the show? It's possibly God in this. I don't think it's Jonah. But I think there's another star. Who is the star for me of the show? It's not the sailors. I think it's the king of Nineveh. Jonah 3 verse 6 says this. When Jonah's warning, so he preached a message, it went amongst the people, and it got back to the king's ear. And it says this. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose. Now, just remember, right, these Ninevites, these are not God's people. These are not God's chosen people with the law, with the presence of God. All of that, these are far away from God. As far away from God as you can imagine. Yet a message gets to a corrupt king. And what does he do? He arose. He arose. He got off his royal throne and positioned himself in humility. He should not have been doing this. He is a bad boy. He's the worst person you could ever think in this world who is just full of greed, selfishness, power, just driven by power. Yet the message gets to him. What does he do? He gets off his throne and humbles himself. I thought, wow, how many thrones have I created that I need to get off? He says he rose from his throne. Now, those thrones are not always physical thrones. They're thrones in our hearts. They're things that we worship above God. Anybody, last week we looked at jigsaws, right? I do apologize if I bore you. I like to play games. We we looked at jigsaws last week, and this week I'm going to play another game with you. Is that okay? I bought you probably a game that hopefully it'll, at some range, you'll connect with it. Last week I preached about He-Man, Masters of the Universe. I lost all the young adults. I do apologise last week. This one, hopefully you've had a little bit of it, right? It's the game of life. Have we got a picture, Harry? Yay. Now just put your hand up. If you've never played the game of life or heard of it. See, the young people are, okay. You, you need to play it, right? You need to have a go at it once in your life to understand. Now, if you've never played it, this is basically what happens. You start off with a car. I don't know how that works because I never started life with a car. But anyway, you're given a car. It's the thing that you move around in. But let me just explain how this happens in most houses, right? Before I've even got the car, you're falling out. I'm going first. No, you're not. I'm going first. I'm going first. No, no, I'm first. And like that competitiveness in you rises up and you're like, I want to win. And you're playing this game of life. You start off, you get the car. And then the next thing you do, you have to choose which way to go. You can go on a career path or another path. And you know, if you go that way and go to university, you get a better job. So every time you get to this 
square called payday, you get all this money. So like, you can get 40,000 for that career. And one of them, you can be an astronaut. Whoa. As I go the astronaut route, I'm being an astronaut, 80,000. I'm sure they get more than that. 80,000. And then you start moving around. You go on the game of life. You throw the dice. And then the next minute, you land on payday. It's like, yes, payday. Anybody else like this? Right? And you get payday. It's like, whoa, I feel this sense of freedom and pleasure. It's payday. And then you keep moving. And then you get stopped. And there's another mark. And it says, do you want children? And you have to pay 50,000 for a child. It's like, What? What? Kids cost money? It's a game! So then you'd like, you put pink one in, I put a pink one in, or a blue one in, or a pink one in. I've got a pink car, but I've got blue. I just put them in, and I've got them in, and this game's hard, you know? And then you start, then you land on another square. So do you want a house? So I like, can get a house, or buy a house. And then another one, you can buy a, you can buy a yacht now. So buy a yacht, so I've got a yacht, got all this stuff, and I'm going through life. It's payday again, Whee! payday, next square going, and I'll land another one, it says spin the dial, now give everybody some birthday money. What? I've got to give money for birthdays? And then I'm out on again, and I'm looking behind me, they're chasing me, they're catching me up, quick, I need to hurry up in life, I'm accumulating all this stuff, and I'm moving along in life, and I've got to get to the end, because when I get to the end, you can retire, and you retire quicker than that person, you beat them, and you can spin and get more money, and it's like, come on, I'm winning the game of life, and I get to the end, and I spin, and I and I've like, I've won, I've got all this stuff, and I've won the game of life, and everyone else is moody and grumpy, because you beat them. They haven't got as much as not, you know, you, at the end of the game, you count it all up and who's got the most wins. And the others are upset because they haven't got as much as you. So they shut the game and you're like, they all dart off and the winners left to pack it away. How does that work? How does that work? Lose it, you pack it away. No, I'm off. And I won't play that again. It's true, isn't it? And then you sit there, and what happens? You're packing it away, you put it all in the box. You shut the box, and there's nothing left. And you think, it is like life. You gather all this stuff. Gather, 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 gather. So it makes me feel important, and, and I'm gathering, I've got more stuff. And at the end of life, what happens? Actually, the stuff doesn't go in the box. I go in the box, and every, all the other stuff gets given away. It's true, isn't it? We gather all this stuff, and guess what we do with it? We give it away. Because you haven't got a choice. It's not yours anyway. You're just a steward from when you're born to when you die on this game of life, and you choose what you do with it along the way. And at the end of it, you're going to give it away anyway. You're going to give it. You just decide who you give it to and when you give it and how you give it. But at some point, you will give it. Ask, ask Tutankhamun. He's experienced in it. He might not be there when you get there, but... The point is this, if you go to Cairo in the museum, his stuff, it's still there. You can look at it and look at his sarcophagus, whatever it's called, I can't even say the name. You look at it, oh, it's all there. He didn't take it. And we have a choice in life. You see, it says of the king there, he got off his throne and then it says he took off his royal robes. He took off the thing that gave him status and importance and look at me, he took it off. He got off his throne and he took off his robes. 
And then he knelt down, it says, in sackcloth, which was a symbol of, you know, humiliation, humility. Look at me. I am wretched. I need help. I am crying on God. I need something. I am in sackcloth. Anybody feel like that sometimes? And then it says he sat down in the dust. He sat down in the dirt and the dust. It's symbolic of getting his hands dirty. It's symbolic of people, dust, we all come from dust. It's symbolic of him understanding it's not about him. I have arisen in my strength and I am now humbled. Now I need to arise in a different strength. You see, we have a king who got off his throne, who took off his royal robes, who got on his knees in sackcloth amongst the dirt of this world that none of him, a father, son made, but we made, got right amongst us and offered his life. Wow. What a flipping king. This is the king of Nineveh who humbles himself, gets off his throne, gets on his knees and cries out to God. And hopefully if we cry out to God, there'll be a change. There'll be mercy in my life to this compassionate God who's slow to anger, who does not, who relents in causing harm. Hopefully that, what Jonah's said about, is real and he'll do it for me too. You see, that's what our king did. That's who our king is. You say, what's this got to do with offering? Everything. Everything because it's the condition of our heart. Understanding the grace that's been given to us by our king now is available to each one of us and can be administered through us to others. But there are some things that will get in the way. Some things got in the way for Jonah. Hurt. He was offended at the Ninevites for what they did towards him. And you know what? God keeps going at him. Come on, Jonah. Understand my compassion towards you. I know you're hurting. I know, I know you haven't forgiven yet. But I want to teach you that there's another way of living. He moans and complains at the end of his life. He's still not happy for the goodness that God has done. But God doesn't give up on him. And I want to encourage you, wherever you're at... Whether you're in the darkest of dark, maybe you're in a disappointing time, a rejected time, whatever. Or even you're on the mountaintop, whatever. I want to encourage you this. That God never gives up on us. Never gives up on us. He would pursue us with everything that's within him. He would give his life to us, getting off his royal throne, taking his royal robes off. God amongst the dirt. That's the God that we serve, is he not? And that's the God I want to serve. And just like Jesus teaches us, we move away from our ways and we move towards his commands. We forgive others like he has forgiven us. And if we do this, the channel here is free to serve. It's, it's a channel that God can move through. But if we take offense, if we get too arrogant, we have an inflated throne that we think we don't need God, those things will get in the way. And God's saying, listen, just put your stuff aside, eh? Just put your royal robes down for a bit. We're not that big. We're not that clever. We need God. Just get off your throne. Get off your, get, put it over there. It's not going to do anything. You can't take it with you anyway. Just leave it there and allow God to move through you. You see, I think Jonah didn't quite understand what he said about God. Slow to anger 
and abundance in loving kindness. Abundance. We have a God who has abundance. What does abundance mean? In the Greek, abundance. It means a lot. Right? That's not Greek, by the way. That's just English. It means abundance. You think what that means. It means not just enough, but more than enough. Why can, why can disciples, when Jesus says go and feed them, get a few fish and some bread, and it turn out more than what they started with? Because he's abundant. When he says do it, do it, and when you do it, you'll find there's more than enough. There's more than enough grace. There's more than enough strength in your weakness. There's more than enough than what you need for life. There is more than enough in God. And Jonah hasn't quite got it because there's something in his way. He needs to forgive. He needs to let go of some things in order that God, he can still hear God. He knows about God. But his service is limited by God. He's not happy. He moans and complains. See, I want to encourage you this morning to look at your heart and challenge you this week to look at your heart and say, is my heart, is there anything in my heart that needs to be removed that gets in the way of me wanting to serve God? Is there anything that gets in the way that wants me to see people as God sees them? There's another challenge. Jonah saw the Ninevites how he saw them, not how God saw them. He saw the enemies like he had experienced them, not what God wanted to make them. You know, in some people in our lives, it's easy to judge people. I've done it, and you know, and think of them and the plank in their own eye, and you think, man, what a mess those people are, and I wish they'd just do this. And God's saying, stop looking at that plank. Start to have faith and believe what can happen when you arise and pray and call on me for them and believe that things can begin to change. We, we get off our throne and begin to call on God. We get our sackcloth on, we get in the dust, we get amongst the people, those who are hurting, and believe for change for people. God can change people, can he not? God can change anyone. He can change the Ninevites, he can change anyone. So why doesn't this happen? Because their hearts are hardened. Their hearts don't want to hear. So how is it going to happen when you share the gospel of Jesus, the good news, when you share the hope? Some people will listen, some people won't listen. But surely we've got to take the hope to the world, have we not? Surely you want to see people come out of darkness and into the light. Surely you want to see people come out of ashes into beauty. Surely we want to see people come out of mourning into joy, do we not? How's it going to happen when we go and love on people like he loved on us? When we get off our thrones, we take off our royal robes, we put on our sackcloth. We're not that important. Don't let too big-headed about ourselves. We're just normal people like everyone else. We're struggling too, and we get amongst the dirt. And when we do that, I believe God will move in and through you and we'll begin to see you changed me changed and other people changed like I said I just wanted to preach this this morning I really believe there's a call to arise he says of Jonah arise go to Nineveh the captain said to to him what do you mean sleeper arise there's a great um, there's a great song that's written by Keith Green you might not know him he might not be your kettle of fish. He might not be your style. But he's a classic, um, 
he's, he's a theologian, he's not really a the, he's, he's a worship leader, but he's also good on his theology. And there's a song on there about sleeping. And I was listening to him, and it says this. It says, it's, he's a bit challenging, but he says this. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and you can't even get out of bed. I was like, phew, that's a bit harsh in a song. Can't we go back to them nice, feely-goody ones that make me feel good and bless me because I want to be blessed? Because see, no, I want to get off your backside, get off your throne and get out and want to do it, Paul. I'm like, wow, am I willing to get up in the morning and pray? No, most mornings I want to I like my bed. But if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, can we get out of our bed, church? Can we wake up? Because listen, this is the truth. The Bible teaches us that the same spirit that was in Jesus, right, that rose him from the dead, that conquered death, that same spirit was in Jesus, is now released from heaven into anyone who believes. And then it says this, those who are in Christ through faith are now raised up and seated with him in heaven. So the truth is this, you're already risen. What? Yeah, we're already risen. All we're doing is getting on board with what we already are. Yeah, but I'm a Hebrew, like Jonah says. No, you're not, yeah. But if you understand who you are, I'm flipping risen. I don't have to live in mourning anymore. I can trust in God who's going to lead me out of that mourning. Yes, there's a season for grief. There's a season of pain. We have to process those things and God uses them all for good. But I want to give you hope this morning. Keep putting your faith in God. Keep calling out to him. He will get you out the valley of the fish. I'll tell you that now. And he will rescue you. He will pull you out the other side. Why? Because he's already done it. In faith in Jesus, you're already risen. Because the same spirit that was in you is in Jesus and Jesus is risen. Do you believe that? We're risen, church. We're awake. We're not dead. We're alive this morning. We're alive. We've got life. We're not in darkness. We have hope in Jesus this morning. We're the church that should be singing and celebrating what Jesus Christ did on this earth. So that others who are in Nineveh can hear the message. And others like me, an alcoholic who is in pain, Heard the message and responded. Humbled myself in sackcloth and dirt, felt in the valley of the whale, cried out to God from the bottom of my heart, God, you can have it all. Jesus Christ sent somebody to give me the message, fill me the Holy Spirit, then I knew something inside of me was risen. Now we're on a different trajectory now. We don't have to stay in that, we don't have to stay there, we're going somewhere else now. Arise, Paul. I want you to do this. Arise, Paul, get out of your sorrow. Arise, Paul, get on board with where we're going. Arise, Paul, preach a message. Arise. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's the journey for all of us. We're already risen. We just get, have to get on board with that truth. So hopefully that's inspired you a little bit. There's a hope for all of us. We don't have to stay in the valley of the whale. God calls us out of that dark place and into light. You know, and... I believe our king came off his throne. He's on the throne now, but he came off his throne. Just open me that. He came off his throne, did he not? And he's the one I want to follow. Because he was willing to pay the price. He was willing to offer his life. The Bible says that he was a first fruit. He was the first fruit, believing that others would follow and also be raised from the dead. 
And he's the one I want to follow this morning. Anybody else? So I want to pray this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, you can accept Jesus Christ this morning. He offers forgiveness of sin. He offers hope. He offers new life for you. But it won't change unless, like the Ninevites, you slowly begin to turn your life over to him. If you want a new life, it's going to cost you your life. Salvation is the gift of God and you're saved by faith in Jesus. But discipleship is another journey. But I want to pray, if there's people here this morning who want a new life, then I'm going to pray. I want you to stand with me in prayer. Believe it in your heart and God saves you this morning. He offers forgiveness. So let us just bow our heads. Jesus, we believe in you. We believe in you, Father. We believe in you, Jesus. And that God, you sent your one and only Son to die for us. That we would know the forgiveness of God. We would have peace with God, be made right with God because of what you did. And I pray for people this morning who don't know you to receive you through faith. That you would receive Jesus Christ this morning and that God's Holy Spirit would come to you and affirm in you that Jesus loves you. So Father, I pray for others here this morning that you would fill them. That they would arise out of their slumber, arise out of their pain and see a new life available for them in you. In Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your compassion towards us. I pray that you fill each one of us with a heart that is full of compassion, ready to get amongst people and love them like you've loved us. You see, God's aim, was to, our aim is to love as God loves. God wants us to love as he loved so, Father, I thank you that you've equipped us, you've empowered us. I pray that this week our hearts would be full of your love, your grace, and we would extend that to others in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, church, let's stand. We're, gonna, we're going to praise our God, right? This is what's going to happen. We're going to praise our king who got off his throne. Does he deserve the praise? Come on. I mean, this king of Nineveh, he humbled himself. Man, our God, he did not consider himself equal with God, but he humbled himself. That's the God we're going to sing to now. I want to encourage you with all of your heart, praise him. If there's things in your heart that don't want to praise him, can I encourage you to evaluate them, ask for forgiveness with God, and forgive others like God has given you. And I'll tell you what, things will begin to change if you do that.